Hello, and welcome to The Purpose. I'm Bill Brunson. And I'm Kit McClurg. And today, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of St. Luke, the 17th chapter, verses 7 through 10. Jesus is speaking and says, Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come, come here at once and take your place at the table. Would you not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink. Later, you may eat and drink. Do you thank the servant for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, We are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. Now, if you're looking for the top 10 most popular parables of Jesus, not going to be on that. I don't think it's going to make the top 100. No, not the top 100. Um, It would probably be on the list of the top 10 things that you really wish Jesus wouldn't have said or wouldn't have covered um, because this really strikes against the modern idea of of how we how we do life I mean we live in a world where everybody gets a trophy uh, we live in a world where um, we we can't just enjoy a really good meal Uh, We have to post the picture of the meal online in order to get many, many likes upon our meal of the people who aren't there. Um, We, you know, there are people out there who will almost spend their entire vacation trying to come up with ideal photo opportunities so that they can post pictures of their vacation that will make everyone jealous of what they have. Um, we live in this world where we want uh, we want congratulations and likes and thumbs up and everything all the time. I mean, it, it is getting worse and worse and worse as we go along. And here we hear Jesus say, so when you've done what you're supposed to have done, then you ought to just say, we're we're just useless servants we're only doing what we ought to have done that really strikes against the world's mentality but i think we have a lot to learn from jesus in this passage you know it's fascinating as you deal with um uh, human resources and how to keep people motivated for their jobs and, and you look at the studies on what makes people stay where they're at, money is a factor, but it is like third or fourth down uh, as, as far as people feeling appreciated, people uh, getting public recognition, uh, and those sorts of things. We as human beings are driven to want to, uh, accolades. Uh, and, and, of course, those who are employees are go. Why do I have to do this? I paid you. Is it not good enough that, like, I'm paying for your family to to be able to eat and and have a, a good life? Do do I have to get gift cards to you know whatever to uh, to? Is that really what brings meaning to life? But 
we human beings tend to be that way. That's kind of how we go. Absolutely. And and I'm as I'm just going to be honest. In the world of love languages, if I'm in if I have anyone that works with me who their love language is words of encouragement, they are probably going to feel not very encouraged by me because I don't naturally give words of encouragement or accolades or kudos or things of that nature because um, I I never really look for them and I, it wasn't it wasn't really how I was raised and so I've never really grown or developed a skill in giving them you know and so I I probably have a lot of people that I've worked with over the years who think that I don't really appreciate what they do or that I don't even like what they do. Reality is I think they I probably have thought they did a great job. I just didn't spend a lot of time saying it. It's not saying that if your love language is is um, words of encouragement that that's bad. It's just I, I don't have that skill and or I, I've never developed that skill. Jesus is saying the problem comes when we only do things because we want the the comment we want the appreciation we only do things when we want the accolades and uh that if nobody's looking and nobody's going to know well, we probably won't do it years ago i i, I heard about someone who who they there was a uh uh like trash on the floor and they knew that there was trash on the floor and they were standing by the trash on the floor uh, but they waited and they waited and they waited until the uh, until a Sunday school class got out and would be coming by them and then they bent over and began picking up the trash out of the floor <laughs> because they wanted to make sure that other people saw them picking up the trash so that they could go, oh, you don't need to be doing that. Let us help you. It's so wonderful that you're picking up that trash. Um, when we're going through life only doing what we think we're going to get recognition for, then we're probably we're not doing what we're doing for the right reason. And that was where Jesus is hinting at in this in this message is we're servants because we're servants. It's not so that we can get a lot of attaboys and attagirls and you're great and you're wonderful and hey, why don't you sit down and and let's celebrate you for a little while. We're servants because we're servants. Jesus comes and gives us the example of being a servant. And we are supposed to be servants as well, not seeking that if, well, if, if they don't congratulate me today on, uh, on picking up that trash, I'll never pick that trash up again. Um, that's not really the right attitude that we're supposed to have. We uh, had a favorite dog. Her name was uh, Cinnamon. And, um, we we noticed a trait that when we'd watch out the window and when and, and she was outside a lot and when strangers would come up she was just as sweet as she could be and um, they they all loved her and and um, she would go up and play with the neighbor's dog across the street which was a 
was a, a part husky, part wolf, just a beautiful dog. And we kind of let our dogs out at the same time. But when we met one day in the street, the two dogs got into a fight. And we recognized that they were both putting on their show to show how much they're going to protect their masters. And we noticed that every time we would come out, she would start barking at the strangers. But if we stayed inside, she was just friendly to them. And so we always got tickled. It was time for her to put on the show that, you know, uh, she's doing her job. And the rest of the time, she was just laying there enjoying uh, laying in the pine straw. I think I think we have a tendency um, to, to want – uh, that recognition and and to you know to shine when we know that people are looking uh, and and so but but Jesus says that that's not what it's all about. We're called to do the work of the kingdom behind the scenes when nobody knows, when nobody's looking. And in fact, there are other parables where he talks about you know don't do your praying, don't do your giving in public, do it in in secret. You're just you're just called to do the job, and knowing that that I love you is is really all the reward that that you should expect from that. Tom Brokaw, in his book The Greatest Generation, talked about the men and women who are part of the generation who fought and won in World War II, and when you over the years uh, I've been able to talk to a lot of these people and and my father was part of that generation and being a student of history and learning a lot about world war ii and and going back and talking to those people and talking about you know wanting to lift up to them their sacrifice and and their service and the fact that you know they many of them uh i I spoke with one gentleman who left home when his wife was pregnant and arrived back home to meet his four-year-old son and had only seen like two pictures of his son that found him while he was off in service because she mailed a lot of pictures along the way if she could but mail was so scattered and so sparse that he only received two pictures and along you know over the years uh while he was uh, overseas fighting and you know i would i would want to commend that and talk about that and you know and their their answer always was we were just doing what we were expected to do we were just doing our duty our country had been attacked Uh, the empire of japan had attacked us on december the 7th and we entered the war and we were only doing what we were only doing what we were supposed to do defend our country and they really didn't want to be celebrated they because they just saw they had done their duty uh and and you know and I, i think about that a lot because we i don't know that that's our mindset any longer that we're doing our duty uh as uh as citizens of our nation doing our duty as uh citizens of our community uh doing our duty as members of our church uh as people of faith are we doing our are we doing it for the uh the accolades and the praise or are we doing it because it's our duty it's what we're supposed to do and that's that there is a i think we've lost something as we've lost that sense of responsibility. 
You know, I was blessed in my first uh, role in a, in a church to be the associate to a man by the name of Lamar Smith, who is still a dear friend and even late into retirement is is publishing books. A little shout out, he, he writes some good devotional books and some theology books. Uh, but Lamar was a phenomenal and is a phenomenal person. And at one point he was up for a, um, a, a an ecclesiastical role, a leadership in the church, uh, a little bit higher than a pastor as district superintendent. And then it was in a in a it was in a system where you had to be elected for that. And uh, he had always told me, jokingly, when we had church elections in that system, that you just never know what what's going to happen when a member has a ballot in their hand. You just don't know what the, the outcome's going to be. And so he was up for an election, and it was a very tight race, and uh, the politicking was going around, and he ended up not not winning. And his church was kind of rooting for him because everybody loved him, and um, and he came back that next Sunday, not having you know been elected, and and everybody was expecting him to sort of be sad about the fact that he, you know, his his accomplishments had not been recognized, had not been rewarded for them. And I'll never forget the sermon that he preached. And he said, you know, God calls us not to seek a position, but to seek a job. He said, there, when people seek position, they never really find joy and purpose in it. But if you'll seek a job that needs to be done for God's kingdom, even one that no one knows you're doing, then there's such a joy in know that you're serving the master just for the sake of serving the master. And that has always been a part of my my psyche. And as I've watched people who really sought those sorts of accolades, I've seen them come to realize that well, this wasn't really what it was called up for. I mean, having this title is not worth what I'm having to go for to get this title. And But it's the small things, the things that nobody sees, the the jobs that need to be done, that, that you step in and it changes a person's life. Those are the things that really matter. And that's what Jesus is calling us here to do is, is don't seek the accolades but simply do the job that I need to be done and and do it with joy. When I was in seminary, we had a guest preacher that came to chapel one day, and it was the Reverend Dr. Caesar A. Clark. And um, he preached and um, on – it was during during Lent, and so he chose for his passage uh, the Last Supper. And um, two two moments in the Last Supper, and one was the reading that talks about the fact that on the way to the Last Supper, that Jesus had overheard the disciples arguing among themselves as to who was going to be the greatest, uh, which one of them was the greatest, and of course part of that could have been that when they arrived at the dinner, you the way you were seated at the table was always based off of who was in the places of honor all the way around the table until you got down to the last seat, which was considered, it was called the servant's seat uh, because it would have a bowl of water there that that person would either pass or get up and walk around with so people could wash their, you know, rinse off their fingers and things of that nature. And well, 
you have that argument going on of who's going to be the greatest. Maybe they were trying to decide who's going to sit where at the table. And so they're trying to figure out that, you know, that maybe Philip is saying that he is more, uh, that he, that he was, Philip was in as a disciple before Nathaniel, so maybe that makes him better than Nathaniel. And you know, whatever their criteria was, we don't know, but they were arguing over that. And then they get to the point, and Dr. Clark said, they got to the point where they realized that no one had washed feet. And you've everybody walking in sandals on dusty roads, their feet were dirty and dusty, and nobody had done the job of the servant of having the basin of water and the towel so that they could rinse off a person's feet. You dip your foot in, raise it up, they dry it off, and you go and sit at the table. And it says that Jesus gets up and he he gets the towel and the basin of water, and he goes over to the lowest seat, uh, all the way down to the servant seat, and which is where most people believe Peter has found himself sitting that evening. And he comes to Peter and begins washing his feet. And then he washes all the disciples. You know, he, he's washed all the disciples' feet. Um, and Dr. Clark's message that day was that it was more important to have towels, being a servant, taking on that role, doing what's needed, doing what's necessary, than it was to have titles of who's the greatest and who's best and, and uh, you know, getting all, getting all the praise. And so he challenged uh, all of us in, in seminary and chapel that day to always seek the towel and never settle for the title. And um, I've always I've, uh, that's always stuck with me. Not that I've always been successful at that, <laughs> but the the message has stuck with me, and hopefully I've done better. I, I've had better days, more better, more good days than bad on that. But the idea is that we're to seek the towel rather than the title. We should seek to be a servant and do what we need to do and do what we're called to do because we're called to do it and because it's needed to be done, not because we're going to get anything for it. And it's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, the term servant leader became very popular, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But in Christ's kingdom, if you can't be a servant, if you're not content to be a servant, then you're really not qualified to be a leader. And so Jesus certainly um, – certainly model that for us. And so part of, you know, how we look at leadership at at Vestavia when we're trying to to determine who needs to be our lay leaders, we should first ask, well, who's been serving? Who has served Christ in ways that that uh, they can bring those skills and be a leader? And and so, uh, yeah, Jesus really, he expects us. If we are going to lead, we sure better know how to serve because Really, the only motivation we have for doing what we do is because we love Christ. So, when we're thinking about this passage, like I say, it's it's not the most popular in of all the stories and passages and teachings of Jesus, but I think that it's one that, in many ways, reflects the life and the ministry of Jesus, who, as Paul said, he came, humbled himself to become a human. 
didn't count his equality with God as something that to be you know be flouted out there and be flaunted out there and to be um, uh, to to get him any kind of special treatment. But he comes and he becomes a human and he lives as a human and dies for us. And so I mean, Jesus is living the life of a servant. And if there was ever anyone who deserved from day one all the accolades and and praise you could give them, it'd be Jesus. But at different times, he doesn't want that. That's not what he's about. Um, After he feeds the 5,000 and they want to make him king because he's fed 5,000 people, and hey, that sounds pretty good. Uh, let's make him king. It'll be it will it will have we'll have food every day. Well, he he rejects that immediately because that's not what he's here for. And so, the example of Jesus is to be a servant. And this story tells us and calls us to to be a servant, not doing what we do for Christ because we're going to get some kind of praise from other people. But doing what we do for Christ because we're just doing it for Jesus. And that's enough. And we know that one day, if we do what we're called to do, as it says, we have done only what we ought to have done. If we do that, then we know that one day we will get praise where we get to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter, in and enter into the joy of your Lord. That's our goal. Not the praise here, but that one day we will have lived a life that will be found pleasing to God. I hope you'll think about that as you go about your week and as you live faithfully for Christ. May you do it for Christ and for Christ alone. Join us next time on The Purpose. Thank you.